Thank you, Matt. Couldn't help noticing all these events we have for the ladies. And uh, it reminds me of uh, just how important the ladies' ministry is here at Calvary Bible Chapel. Thank you, Nessia. Uh, we talked last week about uh, the uh, opportunity a wife has to be a um, testimony to her husband by by fulfilling the role in the marriage that uh, God gave her. And we also talked about what uh, men should be doing, the role that men have in the marriage to uh, fulfill the role that uh, God had for them, each being able to be a testimony of, uh, of the Lord Jesus by simply uh, behaving in the way that God wants us individually to behave uh, instead of using our words. That's been... Uh, a main um, <clears throat> portion of the letter that Peter wrote, uh, talking about how practically, uh, in the way we live, we can be a testimony to others. So that was last week we talked about marriage, and it occurred to me how not everybody here is in a marriage relationship, right? And uh, you might be listening to the message and saying, you know, I really like what I hear, but it doesn't do anything to me. I can't, I can't apply what you're sharing because I'm not in a marriage relationship. Um, the week before that, we talked about uh, our opportunity through our uh, submission to workplace authorities, again, to be a testimony to God uh, or to people of, of who God is. And, and you might not be employed and say, you know, Noada, I hear what you say, but I really can't apply it uh, to my life. So I have good news for you today. Uh, the message today, or the particular way in which we uh, practically apply God's words to our life as a testimony to others, will apply to everybody. There's nobody to which this message does not apply. So that's my good news for you today. Um, Let's go ahead and look to the Lord again in prayer, and we'll read our passage. Father, we thank you for your word, for the opportunity we have to study it, and the fact that there is a practical application to each of us today, Lord. We pray that you help us find it and apply it to our lives, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. First Peter chapter 3 and verses 8 through 12. First Peter 3 verses 8 through 12. Finally... All of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another. Love as brothers. Be tender-hearted. Be courteous. Not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing. Knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. For he who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him, let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. 
but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. So the key word here, or the key thought, uh, is to be a blessing. Right? In verse 9 it says, knowing that you were called to this, what were you called to? You were called to be a blessing to others. And uh, how is that a testimony? How will by being a blessing would I be a testimony to who God is? Well, God is a blessing, right? God's desire is to bless each and every one of us. He sent the Lord Jesus to be a blessing to each and every one of us. So if I am a blessing to others in my life, I am being a picture of what God is like. Right? By being a blessing to others, they look at me and hopefully they can see God through me, God who is the source of all blessing. So how, how is it that we can be a blessing to others? Okay, you know, That sounds great. I'd love to be a blessing. <laughs> how do I do it? All right. So don't worry because that's what this passage is about. It's basically uh, very practical instruction from the Apostle Peter of how to be a blessing. So if you want it to be, if you want to be a blessing to others, you came to the right place this morning. <laughs> so we're thankful to have you here. Okay, so what is it that we should do? The first instruction is to be of one mind. To be of one mind. What does it mean to be on one mind? If we look at the Greek uh, probably a better translation would be to be of harmonious mind, to be of harmonious mind. Uh, we, we will all have different opinions, right? You know, unless you're a computer program that someone designed and saved into a hard drive and then made a bunch of copies, there is no way your brain will work like exactly the way other people's brain will work which means you will always have different opinions than other people. So what does it mean to have one mind? It doesn't mean to have identically the same thoughts, right, or the same opinions, but to seek, seek as much as possible to be in agreement with others. Now, there are some things that we won't be able to agree with others. My father uh, doesn't believe in the God of the Bible, right? I can't agree with him that the God of the Bible doesn't exist. That would be wrong, right? God doesn't want me to conform my mind, to change my thoughts, to agree with thoughts that are just purely wrong and incorrect. There's no way I can do that, right? But there are times when we disagree with people when we don't have to. And uh, it reminds me, uh, when I was in college, I was in a fraternity, I mentioned it in the past, and every year we would get a new batch of inductees, right, people who wanted to join the fraternity, and we'd get to meet them, right, as those who were already fraternity members, and uh, one year uh, a young lady came and joined, and I talked to her, I wanted to, to, to find out who she was, to get to know her, and uh, she looked at me and said, you don't remember me, do you? <laughs> And I didn't. I, the face looked a little bit familiar, but I didn't know her. And she said, I was in your rhetoric class, and I hated you. 
And I was like, <laughs> why? She said, well, you would argue, so for those of you who are not familiar in it, rhetoric is the study of how to argue a point, right? right? How to convince people of something. And so part of the class was to, you know, discuss different things. And, and the, the, the teacher would bring some controversial topic, and they would have us as a class discuss, you know, which side is the right side. And she said, I don't clearly remember it, but she said that I would argue a side and, uh, until most of the people in the class joined that side. And then I would switch to the other side. Why would I do that? Well, probably because, you know, I, you know, A, the truth itself didn't matter that much to me, right? And uh, I would get, you know, some idea, you know, of why one side would be better than the other. And then the argument would start. And as soon as I got into the argument, I would just pull myself into it because I wanted to be right, right? I wanted to prove that I was smarter than other people um, or be, you know, didn't want them to prove that I was wrong. And so I would argue and argue and argue. And once everybody agreed, I found no more attraction to that point, right? And, and you know, maybe some thought would came to me about why the other side might be right. And I'd pick that up, and I imagine people said, no, this is why you're wrong. And again, I just, you know, I was like a dog that wouldn't let go of a bone or, or whatever it is, a toy. And, uh, you know, I just fought for it. And I'm afraid that sometimes that is the reason why we have arguments with other people. It's not that, you know, our, our point of view is somehow better or more correct than their point of view, but um, once we get into that, you know, you know, dog pulling, two dogs pulling a bone, we're just not willing to let go. And that results in dissensions and arguments among us, which is not how to be a blessing to others. And that's the point here, right? How to be a blessing to others. You know, don't be contrary for no reason. Don't argue your points just because you want to be right. Don't let your ego get in the way. If someone has an opinion, start by listening and trying to understand. Now, you might come to realize that there's something wrong about what they think, right? Well, the goal would be to, in a, some sort of a patient way, you know, to try to maybe help them see the truth, but not by arguing. As soon as you start arguing with them, forget it. Their mind's going to be closed. Your mind's gonna, going to be closed. They're not going to gain anything, but perhaps by prayer and patience and careful choice of words, you could help someone turn the corner. So having one mind doesn't mean that we necessarily agree with everyone on everything, but it does mean that we try as hard as we can not to get into arguments, dissensions uh, that are not going to help us, they're not going to help them. Nobody is going to walk away blessed from that conversation. Um, OK, so that's number one, be of one mind. Uh, second was having compassion uh, for one another. Um, the literal word in the Greek would be translated as being 
uh, sympathetic. And uh, the key thought there to me would be realize that people around you are going through trials. Uh, we tend to be self-focused. I know I have problems in my life. Let me tell you about my problems, <laughs> right? But I'm not often aware that the people around me have problems as well. And uh, to be a blessing, you have to have your antenna up, right? You have to realize the people around you are hurting and, and be open to find out about it, right? In conversation, someone will say something, oh, I didn't realize you have this going on, you know, and asking questions, right? Trying to find out the pain that the people around you are suffering, right? Being, being aware of that. Uh, that's a key uh, to being a blessing. <clears throat> the, the third uh, point here is to love as brothers. Um, how do I love my brother? Well, you know, me and my brother are not terribly close. Um, same I can say about me and my sister, uh, me and my sisters, but we do have some things in common, and that tends to to pull us together. Um, for example, my parents are getting older, right? And, and so we talk about it. The fact my parents are getting older and how we're going to take care of my parents. Uh, we may have plans. We're planning to have some family get together, right? So we have certain things in common that, um, that draw us to, to love each other or feel for each other or be more concerned with one another's lives than we would otherwise. Uh, and I think that's, that's helpful to recognize the thing you and a person have in common um, would be helpful in loving them as a brother. Um, recognizing, uh, and, and it could fall differently whether we're dealing with saved or unsaved people. With unsaved people, well, this is a sinner just like I am. This is a person who needs the love of God. Uh, just as much as I am. Uh, this is a person who can enjoy God's salvation just as much as I enjoy uh, God's salvation. I have something in common uh, with that person that should hopefully help me feel closer to them and, uh, and, and make a greater effort to, uh, to, to serve them. With believers, we can recognize, yeah, this person and I may have some differences, but this person is a child of God just as much as I am. Um, I may have some disagreement about the way this person wants to serve the Lord, but this person wants to serve the Lord, <laughs> right? They're trying to, to build the kingdom of God. They, they desire uh, the glory of God, right? We have things in common with that person that should hopefully uh, draw us together. Uh, be tender-hearted. Um, this is, it's similar to being sympathetic. Uh, it made me think of this verse in 1 John 3. It says there, but whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? So when I'm sympathetic toward others, my antenna is up. Right? And I'm, I'm, I'm noticing, oh, here's a person who's hurting. This is a person who's going through a trial. And I start talking to them 
Now I'm beginning to realize just how serious that problem is. And I'm like, okay, I don't want to get involved. <laughs> okay, this is, this is too much. I could be sinking all my time and all my resources, right, trying to help this person, and I'm not going to be able to fully meet their needs. So I just don't want to know anymore, right? And that would be the equivalent of shutting up my heart, saying, okay, enough, I can't, I can't handle uh, what you have. Being tender-hearted is the opposite. I'm letting my heart do its work. God gave us a heart that would feel the pain of others. And, and to have a tender heart means, you know, bring it on. <laughs> I want to know. I want to know. Maybe all I'll be able to do is pray for you, right? But God is not limited, right? He is able to do uh, far above all we, we can ask or even think. So, I mean, praying for you uh, is something I can do more effectively when I understand how much of a need you have. Uh, maybe I could do more. Maybe I find out that, um, that you're not able to, to go out shopping, and, I, and I, can, I can take you out shopping, right? You know, I can give you some of my time. Beyond praying for you, I can actually do something uh, to minister uh, to you. Maybe we, I, I'm even able to go beyond that. I don't know uh, what my limitations are, but if I'm going to stop and shut up my heart and say, okay, this is too much, I'm going to fail to be as much of a blessing to you as I could. Right? God called us to be a blessing to others, and we're shutting ourselves up right? and, and limiting our ability of blessing others if we do not have a tender heart. Right? We want to have a tender heart. Let your heart do the work that God uh, designed for it. I, I should say as I'm, I'm, as I'm sharing this, I'm sharing with you what God's word says. I'm not telling you the way I am. Right? I'm not saying, okay, I've reached you know, this level of perfection and I want to bring you guys up to my level. It's like, no, I'm down here. Okay? I'm preaching God's standard. Right? I'm preaching God's goal to us of being a blessing. I recognize that I don't come up to that level. Right? I, I look at other people that I see are a lot more sympathetic and a lot more tender-hearted than I am. Right? But it is what God wants us all to be. He wants to use all of us right, as a means of blessing others. And so we want to, to be as tender-hearted as we can. Let God work in our lives um, through the sorrows of others. To, to make us more of a blessing to them. Uh, finally, in this verse, verse 8, we're told to be uh, courteous. Courteous? Courteous. Courteous. Thank you, Matt. <coughs> courteous. Uh, we try to teach our children courtesy, uh, which uh, involves things like, uh, you know, saying thank you. Right? I, I just did something for you it's proper to say thank you, right? If you do something uh, inadvertently offensive to others, you could say, I'm sorry, right? It's simple, simple courtesy. Uh, why do we teach people courtesy? What's the value of courtesy? Uh, when we show courtesy to others, we express their importance, right? If I don't say thank you, you know, Matt opens the door for me as I come in, and says, uh, you know, good morning, Noad. You know, how was your week? And I just blow him off and just walk through. 
how did I just make Matt feel? Like a doorman. Yeah, I expect you to be here and open the door when I walk into church, right? And that should be good enough for you, right? I'm not showing that I value him, that he is important, that what he is doing is appreciated, right? Um, courtesy is, an, is, is bringing us into conformity to what the scripture says. Um, in Philippians 2, 3, it says, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Right? When, I, when I show courtesy to others, in a sense, I am treating them as better than myself. Matt was the one who showed courtesy to me when he opened the door for me. He's like, no, let me open the door for you. Right? It's, a, it's a way of, of showing me that he appreciates me. He thinks I'm important. Right? I'm worth opening the door for Matt. You don't have to open the door for me. Just an illustration. Right? And anything we do in courtesy is really about that, you know, showing other people that we consider them important, even more important than we are, which is what the scripture shows. You know who the example we are to replicate when we do this, showing others as better than ourselves? Yeah, the Lord Jesus. He considered us better than himself. We, we just finished worshiping the Lord this morning in the breaking of bread, which is remember that he looked from heaven down at us sinners who deserve to go to hell, whereas his place was in heaven, and he said, I would rather switch places with them. I will go to hell in their place so that they can go to heaven. Right? He treated us as more important than himself. Right? And he's asking us to be the same toward others. You want to be a blessing to others? Treat them as more important than yourself. Okay, so just five quick cues from, from Peter here in one verse. If you have one mind or harmonious mind, right, try to, you know, agree with others, understand others' thoughts. Don't argue with them to prove you're smarter than they are or you're right and they're wrong. Uh, have compassion for them. Have that antenna up. Look for... Trials in the lives of others, hurts in the lives of others. Other people around us are suffering, right? Be, be aware of that. Um, love as brothers, you know, seek what's in common between you and them as a motivation to love them. Be tenderhearted. Let your heart do its work. Feel their pain. Find out how far it goes so that you might be moved to step in and help them, whether it's just by praying for them, by kind words or, or practical service, something you might be able to do. And then the last was being courtesy. Show them that they're more important than you. Right? If you could do those five things, you will be a blessing. I assure you. Uh, <clears throat> the next one, verse 9, uh, not returning evil for evil or reviling to reviling, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. How do we respond to others? So we've just seen, you know, five, five uh, things we could do to be a blessing to others. The sixth one is how do we respond to them? 
I mean, it would be lovely if we lived in, the, in a world where everybody was kind and thoughtful. But we don't, right? Uh, we want other people to be a blessing to us. But sometimes they're not, right? They can come in and do something uh, that, that is upsetting. Um, there's, uh, you know, we have new neighbors, and uh, they, they seem to like parking their cars in front of our, you know, driveway or our house, and often stick out into, that's not very nice, that's not very considerate. You know, what should I do? Should I respond in the same? I'll park my car in front of your driveway. How about that? That'll, that'll teach you, right? Would that be being a blessing to them? No. <clears throat> We're told that instead of returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, by the way, in case you don't know, reviling means, you know, saying something, someone saying something bad about you. Right? How do you feel when you find out somebody said something bad about you, something that, you know, makes you look bad? Does that make you want to say something about them? It probably does. Would that be a blessing? Would that be blessing them? It wouldn't. So what, how, how, how can we be a blessing when other people do something that we don't like, say something we don't like. We don't respond to evil with evil, but with blessing. We seek, how can I bless that person? That person did something that I don't like. What can I do that would bless that person? Right? That is so unnatural, right? so contrary to human nature. But who is that like? Yeah, the Lord Jesus, right? People were not kind to him. People took him and nailed him to a cross. What did he do? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And there on the cross, he paid the penalties for my sin and your sin. So you could go to heaven and be there forever with him. Right? <clears throat> so that's unsurprisingly what God asks of us. It's what Peter says is, goes exactly with what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Right? That's returning evil for evil, if you would. But I tell you not to resist an evil person, but whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other to him also. If anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. And whoever compels you, to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks you, and from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. So, completely unnatural response. We, we, don't, we don't respond like that. When people do evil to us, we want to do evil back to them. What Peter says at the end of verse 9, uh, he feels he needs to justify. He says, knowing that you were called to this, we were called to be a blessing. Then he says that you may inherit a blessing. So what Peter is saying is, look, you will be blessed by blessing others. 
And you're sitting there, it's like, there is no way, you know, doing something kind to someone who just did something evil to me is going to be a blessing to me. Right? I'm going to be grinding my teeth the whole time. I'm going to feel miserable that I had to bake a cake, you know, for somebody who, you know, just, you know, did this thing to me. Right? I'm not, I'm not going to be happy about it. Peter says that the result of being a blessing to others is that we will be blessed ourselves. To prove it, he will spend the rest of the passage, right? So verse 10 through 12 is a direct quotation from Psalm 34. So we will go through that and we'll think about how will blessing those who are mean to me result in my own blessing, right? I mean, we would like to be blessed, by the way. The word blessed simply means happy, right? I'd like to be happy. You're telling me doing this is going to make me happy. <laughs> Prove it, right? So in a sense, Peter is proving it by quoting from Psalm 34. For he who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his leap, lips from speaking deceit. Okay, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Again, the context is returning evil for evil. Right? Somebody just did something mean to me, or he said something mean about me. I want to respond in like. I'm going to say something evil about them in return. Right? <clears throat> Well, Psalm 34 says, if I want to love life, do you want to love life? I want to love life. I want my life to be such a life that I love it, right? That's what it means. He would love life and see good days. Do you want to see good days? I want to see good days, right? I know some of us are tired of this weather we've had. Personally, I like it. I, I've just lived my life with too little rain. So I'm just putting this in the bank for future days. But uh, I can understand some people like, I didn't like today. I don't like the weather. But you want to see good days. You want to see good days, okay? Let him refrain his tongue from evil, okay? Well, I have to. I can't say something evil about a person. Based on the word of God, if I want to love life and I want to see good days, I have to hold back my tongue, refrain it, from, doing, from saying evil, right? Saying anything bad about anyone, right? As soon as the thought comes of saying something mean about a person, you got to clamp your teeth down and not let that tongue say anything because you know, based on the word of God, right, it's not going to lead for me loving life or seeing good days, right? What will happen instead? If something does some someone does something mean to me or say something mean about me, and I respond in like, like by saying evil or doing evil, what's going to happen? Right? It's just going to raise up the conflict. Right? Guess what's going to happen when I say something bad about that person? The same person who just came and told me what that person said about me is going to go back to him and say, you know what Noad said about you? Right? I mean, and you're just going to see this level of conflict increasing, increasing, right, until World War III breaks out, right? I mean, that, that's the result of returning evil to evil, for evil, right? And, and we see around the world, right, wars and conflict. Why? 
because people respond to evil with evil. Bill says this in his commentary. <clears throat> fire cannot be fought with fire. I love that. Fire cannot be fought with fire. The only way to overcome evil is to let it run its course so that it does not find the resistance it is looking for. Resistance merely creates further evil and adds fuel to the flames. But when evil meets no opposition and encounters no obstacle, but only patient endurance, its sting is drawn, and at last it meets an opponent which is more than its match. Fire cannot be fought with fire. You're not going to make the situation better by responding to evil with evil. The only way things are going to get better is if you respond to it with a blessing. Right? My neighbor does something mean to me. You know, it's okay for me to, to let him know about it. I, I can bake a cake, brownies, fresh bread, and I can bring it to the door and say, you know, so happy to be your neighbor, uh, made something for you. Um, you know, I would really, you know, appreciate it if in the future, park your car a little bit forward, and I won't hit it by accident as I'm heading out of the driveway. Maybe you could find better words than that, right? But uh, instead of parking my car in front of his driveway, right, I'm trying to diffuse the situation with an act of kindness, right? It's a lot more likely to result in a good relationship between me and neighbor. Notice what happened. I respond to evil with a blessing, and as a result, I am blessed. Now the conflict is diffused, right? And I can enjoy a better relationship with my neighbor. Knowing that to this you were called to be a blessing, that you may inherit a blessing, right? It comes back to us. Continuing on in verse 11, let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. Turn away from evil. You did that to me, I'm going to do evil. No, I'm going to turn away and I'm going to do good instead. Right? I'm going to seek peace. I want to have peace with people around me and I'm going to pursue it. That means I'm going to keep trying. I'm not going to give up on having peace with that person. Why? Because I am being a blessing and as a result, I am blessed too. I have a good relationship with people because I am a blessing to them. <clears throat> For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. When I respond to a situation the way the Lord wants it, and let's, let's remember that God is over all these things. right? I mean, I, I might feel... My neighbor is completely irresponsible, right? And, you know, I don't know why this is happening to me. And, uh, you know, I need to do something about it to fix it. I have to remember, you know, God knows what's going on, right? And God allowed this to happen. And I'm talking about something very minor, right? We've had much more serious things happen in our lives, much greater evil than a neighbor parking in front of your driveway, right? But 
remembering, you know, God is sovereign, and he allowed this to happen. How does God want me to respond to this situation, right? And, and I remember what God says, you know, turn away from evil and do good, right? Seek peace and pursue it. I'm, I'm going to look for a way to, to bless the person through which this thing happened to me, this person who chose to say this mean thing about me, the person who chose to do this bad thing to me, I'm going to look for a way to bless them. God sees that, and it's like, wow, this person wants to honor me, right, and do what I said in my word. That's what it means to be righteous, right? And it says the eyes of the Lord. God, the Lord is looking at it. He sees what I'm doing, and it says his ears are open to my prayers, right? And I know he hears me when I'm asking him whether for wisdom on how to resolve the situation or for extra patience to be able to resolve the situation or for help in doing the kind act that I really don't want to do, right? Or in changing the heart of the person who's, who's behind what's happening, right? His ears are open to my prayers and I'm walking in fellowship with God perhaps in the midst of a trial that I'm going through. Right? That's what happens when I'm, when I'm following the course of being a blessing to others. And I'm being blessed in this case by close communion with God and having God listening to my prayers and acting on my prayers. Right? That's a blessing right there. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. What happens when I'm in this trial, I'm in this situation, I'm like, I remember what Noah said in his sermon, but this is crazy. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell that person exactly what I think about them. Well, guess what? You just fell into the second half of this verse that says the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. You know, it's not an excuse. The fact someone did evil to you is not an excuse to do evil to them. And now you've just set the Lord's face against you. Right? Now, we're not talking about you know, loss of salvation, right? We're talking about fellowship, right? How does God feel about me doing evil to someone else, right? He doesn't like it, right? What's going to happen because I'm doing something God doesn't like? Well, we're told in Hebrews 12, 3 through 6, uh, just to give you some context here, for consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your own souls. And, and uh, I should be careful here because we're talking about people going through persecution. Right? The Hebrews that the letter was written through were, were going through persecution and, uh, and struggling with their faith. You know, they had the Old Testament laws and, uh, and the temple and all this way of worshiping God that they believed in before. And then someone brought the gospel to them, and they're like, this is wonderful. Jesus is the Messiah. He died for our sins. He came to give us eternal life with God. They were really excited. They received it. But then persecution came, and, and, and they're wondering, what's going on here? And, uh, and they know. All they have to do is stop naming the name of Christ, and the persecution will go away. And... Uh, and so the author is reminding them about the Lord Jesus. You know, he endured such hostility from sinners against himself, right? And yet he was willing to endure it because at the end of that lay the cross. 
and at the end of the cross lay our salvation. And he was willing to go all the way for you and for me. But the Hebrews were now flopping, right? And he says, he reminds them, he says, consider him, lest, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. They're like, you know, so much for this profession of faith in Jesus. All he got me is pain and suffering. Right? And they're thinking of living the faith. And so he warns them, he says, you have not yet resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin. Look, you need to hold fast to the faith. Stick with God and what God told you to do. And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. And that, that was the point I was after here, is uh, when we are got out of God's will, we all of a sudden find that things are going against us. Right? God... God sees the situation you're in. Someone is saying something unkind. Someone is doing something unkind to you. And you respond by being unkind to them and doing something mean to them. Well, all of a sudden, other things start happening, right? And it's like life has just become difficult. Why? It's because you're out of God's will. Right? And he wants you to go back to where you should be, which in this case is returning to that situation, returning to that relationship, and say, you know what? I was wrong. I responded in a wrong way to what you said. I responded in a wrong way uh, to what you did. I know that God wants me to love you, right? and I want to fix this situation. Okay, how could we apply the passage to our lives? Kind of obvious, you know, some, some, some messages I have to like think about, what's the application for this one? You don't have to think so hard about, about this, but going back to the beginning uh, of the passage, we were thinking about practical ways of showing Christ to the world. Practical ways of showing Christ to the world. There's no better way, right, than trying to be a blessing to those around us, because... That's who God is. That's who Jesus is. Right? He loves. He desired to bless. He came to bless us from heaven right? with giving us eternal life. So the very best way we can communicate him to a lost world is to be a blessing to those around us. It doesn't mean we can't say anything, but let our words, when we do say something, be backed with a life that is consistent with that message, will make that message so much more powerful. Um, I'd like to close with, with a hymn, and uh, Matt will be up here shortly to lead you because you don't want me leading the singing, uh, but it's called uh, Make Me a Blessing, right? That's the name of it. I forget what number it is. Uh, Matt, 557? 557. Um, again, I'm not going to lead the singing, but uh, we often sing, you know, make me a blessing, make me a blessing, out of my life may Jesus shine, make me a blessing, oh Savior, I pray, make me a blessing to someone today. And we'd love to be a blessing to someone, but again, sometimes it's like, you know, I think it's magic. 
somehow I'll be a blessing to others. In this passage, Peter makes being a blessing to others incredibly practical. Right? It's, there's no secret in how to be a blessing. Now, we may not be able to be a blessing on our own. Right? Like I said, a lot of these things are completely unnatural to us. This is not how I respond to people. Right? So, so we do need God's power in our life to be a blessing to others. But there are very practical guiding principles of how to be a blessing to others. So that's my prayer, my uh, hope that this message would help us with that. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you for, for your word. We thank you for practical exhortation, recognizing that uh, there, there are things we can do if we want to be a blessing uh, to others. I know, Lord, it's a challenge to me to, to even think about these things, but uh, we pray that you will um, impress these truths on our hearts and mind in such a way that when we encounter opportunities to be a blessing to others, um, which is every day, uh, we, would be, uh, we would be more sensitive, Lord, uh, more ready to be that source of blessing to them by your power, Lord. And we ask these things uh, um, through uh, the, the channel you provided us, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for him. In his name, amen.